Living my best life. How about that for 2020? Y'all like that idea? We want to be in tune and step with what God has for our life so we can live our best life. Welcome back to week two of our series. We're going to dive off into this here in the next few moments. I do want to take a quick moment to uh, welcome you if you're here as a guest today. Uh, my name is Jay. My wife, Stacy, and I are the pastors here, and it's just a blessing to have you with us today. And I also want to welcome all of you who are joining us online right now. Every Sunday morning, we have a tremendous audience watching us through the streaming service. And Journey Church, can we give them a great big Journey Church welcome this morning? It's good to have you with us today. Now, I know, let me say this to you, I know that this past seven days has been awesome, but it's also been a struggle. Let me explain. We started 21 days of prayer and fasting last Sunday, and a lot of people are fasting a lot of different ways. I had a guy tell me, hey, I'm, I'm fasting lunch every day, and I'm taking that time to spend in the Word and spend in prayer time. Some people are doing the Daniel fast. Heard a lot of people doing a media fast, turned off social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, actually just tuning into what God has for their life. And so I say it's been awesome because I tell you what, anytime you spend time in the presence of the Lord, it's awesome, right? But it's been a struggle. You know why? Because it's king cake season. Come on, you go up in Oak Point, you go in these different places, and it's like, come on, Lord. But we have 14 days left, and if you have not jumped into this uh, prayer and fasting time with us, you, can, you still can. Uh, go by the Welcome Center, pick up one of our prayer focuses. It's got reflection times in there, prayer times, things of that nature, and you can jump in and join us in this time of prayer and fasting. Now, I also want to take a moment to invite you to come out to join me tonight. Everybody say tonight. Uh, several years back, we put together something here at the church we call a growth track. A lot of people want to know, how do I get involved in the journey? How do I become a member? What do you guys believe? Things like that. And so we put together a growth track, and it's in three steps. And tonight uh, is step one. It's going to be at 5 o'clock. My wife and I teach that class. We love it because we love connecting with the families here at Journey Church. And we're going to have food and child care and all that good stuff. And so if you've not taken step one yet, we used to call it the Connect class. Now we call it step one. Then come tonight. You are going to have a great time uh, we are going to just get together and talk about all the things that the Lord is doing. And so it is going to be awesome. So do this for me. Look at your neighbor and say, I'll see you here tonight. Some of you are like, wait, uh, I've already taken the class. I mean, I'm taking it again. <laughs> no, we just said it. Okay. Now here is where we are in this series. Uh, last week we dove off into this series talking about living my best life. And we started by making sure that we were investing our lives in the right places. A lot of times we just walk through life and we just spend our life. And we're not methodical, uh, really, or strategic about how we're investing our lives. And last week, we made sure that we're just not blowing through life and spending our life, but we're investing things like investing in our relationship with the Lord, investing in building the kingdom of God. And today we're actually going to go a little bit further and more in-depth in this mindset of what we started last week with change. Now, here's the thing. I think that a lot of people step into Christianity with the mindset of, I need God to improve my life. I need God to, to take my life and make it better. And, and it's kind of like this. It reminds me of the very first car that I ever purchased. You guys remember your first car that you ever got as a teenager, 15, 16 years old, and uh, that first car. I think that every, car, every teenager, I see all these ones now, they get like really nice cars, I think everybody needs a beater for their first car. I'm just saying, all right? 
My first car, check this out, 1976 Pontiac Trans Am. Black, Firebird on the hood, big old scoop 350 under the hood. Isn't that awesome? One person. Yeah, it was outside. Okay. Now, it sounds awesome, right? All the guys are like, man, it's got a car like that. Here's the problem, though. The car looked great. It just didn't run that great, okay? And so I remember whenever I got this car, I'm like, you know what? It looked kind of rough. I paid $1,000 for that car. And so I picked it up that day, so excited about it, took it, put some new tires on it, washed it, waxed it. And that evening, I picked up a little girl, took her out on a date. And guess what? That night while we're out on the date, the car broke down. <laughs> Here's the problem, okay? I opened the hood. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Guess who fixed the car? I'm not kidding. She fixed the car, y'all. That's a humbling experience right there, okay? It wasn't Stacy. She'd be like, I don't know what to do, you know, because she doesn't know how to fix cars either, okay? Well, here's the thing. That car, even though it had the look, there were some things inside of the car there were issues with, like the motor, the transmission, things like that. And it looked great on the outside, but on the inside, it really wasn't all that. I took this car, and I said, well, I can kind of fix it up a little bit. I can improve it. And it wasn't until a couple of years later, whenever I was ready to, I got rid of the car. It actually got another truck that was pretty much brand new. And I began to discover things that were really valuable to have in a vehicle. Like when you get in it, and you put the key in and turn it over, and it actually starts, you know? <laughs> things like air conditioning and a radio that works. Those things are pretty cool. It reminded me that a lot of times we come to God and we say, God, I want you to take my messed up life and I want you to improve it. And here's the reality that when we come to Christ Jesus, he doesn't just improve our life. He makes us brand new. You need to get that concept in your mind and in your heart that when you come to Jesus, he makes you what? Brand new. In fact, scripture backs this up. We looked at this verse last week, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this. It says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a what? Brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Everybody say new. So last week we talked about making sure that we're investing our lives in the right places. We're really, throughout this series, we're talking about change. Everybody say change. Now, we like the concept of change, but we don't necessarily like to change. And so what I want to do is throughout this series, I want you to begin to embrace real change for your life. One of the first things that you need to understand is that real change does not come from New Year's resolutions, okay? You might make some goals and some resolutions for your life, but typically within about four to six weeks or even sooner, those resolutions are gone. Real change actually comes by allowing God to bring his change into our life by embracing that brand new mindset in Christ Jesus and allowing him to change us through and through. And so today we're going to go a little bit deeper into that and we're going to begin to experience or really begin to understand what experiencing our best life in Christ really looks like. Now here's where we're going to start. Last week we talked about investing our life in the proper way and today we're going to talk about embracing that real change for our lives and here's where it begins. It all begins with the way we approach God. Because approach is everything. 
I remember whenever the boys, whenever they were, you know, young and they started noticing girls and they were like, you know, go out on dates and like, you know, school dances and stuff like that and start talking about girls and girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. They were some of the, the, the pickup lines that were going around at that time. And I, we're talking, they're like, Dad, I heard this one, this one pickup line, you know, hey, girl, you take karate because your body's kicking. <laughs> like, son, that's, that approach probably isn't going to work, okay? How about this one? Girl, you from Tennessee? Because when I look at you, you're the only 10 I see. I'm like, no, no. The, the approach is everything, Right? And so the way we approach everything matters, and especially whenever it comes to how we approach God. And here's the problem. A lot of times the way that we approach God, we create barriers. Not him. We create barriers between us and him. And so as a result, so many times we struggle in our walk with God, and we struggle in different areas of life because we have created these barriers that are there. So let's talk about a couple of different ways that we actually tend to approach God as individuals, as humans. The first one is this, and this one's kind of, kind of a rough one, but it's approaching God out of obligation, okay? Now you might say, well, what does that actually look like? Well, it's kind of like this. I have to pray. I have to read my Bible. I have to go to church because that's what Christians do. That's what good Christians do. And as a result, you are going through the motions, and there's really not a lot, of, a lot of joy in your relationship with the Lord. There's not certainly not any power that is there that you're walking in because you've approached God, and your mindset is, I, I, I'm obligated to do this. And there's just not a lot of joy there. So approaches everything. When you approach God out of obligation, it'll suck the joy right out of your relationship with him. Here's the next one. Uh, when we approach God with a sense of legalism, okay? Now, you say, well, what does legalism look like? Well, if I'm going to make God happy, then I've got to follow the rules. And we break Christianity down to this list of rules. You go into the Old Testament, into the New Testament. You see the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. You see the Pharisees are the ones that Jesus was always up against, because they had these traditions of the elders, all of these rules, hundreds and hundreds of rules that they had actually added on to the Ten Commandments. And so as a result, sucked all the joy, all the life and everything out of it. And we even do that today in the New Testament church. We have the tendency of breaking everything down into our walk with God, Christianity, down into being a bunch of rules. Well, if I want to make God happy, I have to do this and this and this, and i got to check the boxes off within my life. And we have the mindset, if we don't do those things, then God's not happy with us. It's kind of like this. If you're, uh, whenever I was in, in elementary school, I remember that the, the teacher from time to time would have to leave the room. Okay, go to the office, go to the teacher's lounge, get a cup of coffee, something like that. And they always picked one person to sit up in front of the classroom with a piece of chalk. And what did they do? It took names. I can, I'm going to tell you what, my name was on that board a lot, Okay. How, uh, be honest, this is church. Who in here got your name wrote on the board? Okay. Now be honest. Who in here got your name wrote on the board? Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. There's more of y'all raising. You're like, okay, you busted me. Okay, okay. <laughs> what? Well, here's the thing. They got my name wrote on the board, and, and this is what the little teacher's pet would do. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, think I, I think I said that with a little bitterness there. Okay. 
Well, they would take that piece of chalk and they would watch and whoever broke the rules, they would write their name on the board. And then if you broke another rule, what would they do? They would go next to it and they'd put another check. <laughs> and they'd go next to it and put another, I had a lot of checks, y'all. Three checks, you out, okay? But we had the tendency sometimes to approach God in that way. We, we talked about approaching him out of obligation. Well, I have to do these things because I want to be a Christian. I'll be a good Christian. What about when we approach him from the legalistic mindset? If I don't follow the rules, God's not going to be happy with me. And he, he's like a three checks and you're out kind of God. Isn't he, Pastor Jay? Absolutely not. He's a God of grace and mercy, but he's a God of truth as well. He wants through the Holy Spirit to bring conviction into our lives to change us. Remember, we're talking about change, about real change. And that means dealing with the things in our life, the things that we call issues that in reality are sin, that we need to address within our life and ask the Holy Spirit not only to, to forgive us, but to help change that desire within us, to crucify that desire within us so that we can be more like Christ each and every day of our lives. So we approach God from a sense of obligation. We approach him from a sense of legalism. Here's the next one. And this one probably is the most dangerous one of all. We approach him from an informational mindset. Now, you might say, well, why is that the most dangerous of all? Because here's what it is. I know about God, but I don't really know God. And I'm going to just tell you what. Everybody knows about God. You go around, ask everybody, even the people that you look at their lifestyle, and you're like, oh, man, that's rough. You look at them and say, hey, when you die, are you going to heaven? They're like, absolutely. Everybody is going to heaven. But the Bible tells us that we have to accept Christ as our Savior, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Christ. Amen? And so when we have an informational mindset and we approach God in that way, it's, it's, it's head knowledge of God. And we, we have this thing, well, I, I'm, I, I'm going to live a pretty good life. I'm a good person, but I'm not fully surrendered to God. I, I, I'm holding back my heart. I'm holding back my life. And, and on the outside, I look good. I've got a, a you know, good family, good life. I do the right things. I say the right things. I got head knowledge of God. I can name some of the disciples, a couple books of the Bible. And I go to church from time to time. I got head knowledge. But here's what I'm going to tell you. That's not a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the approach that we take to God means everything. And if we approach him out of obligation, or we approach him from a sense of legalism or an informational mindset, it's a dangerous thing for our lives. Now, here's the reason why we approach God in this way, because so many people tend to view God as this faceless, angry God up in heaven who's just waiting to rain vengeance down on our lives. He's a God of fury and judgment and all that stuff, right, Pastor Jay? Well, he is a God who will bring judgment. And one day, there will be a judgment seat that we do not want to be at, the, the white throne judgment. But here's what I want to help you understand. He wants us to embrace him as our father and as our friend, okay? And so the, the mindset of faceless, angry God, I had that for the longest time. And here's where it came from. Uh, growing up, I went to a small church, a denominational church, and they had something in the foyer, uh, they had a, a track rack, okay, hey, it rhymed, track rack, okay, and they had all these gospel tracks, in it, and they would put these chick gospel tracks. Anybody know what a chick gospel track is? It's a, it's a little book, it almost looks like a comic book, okay, and as a kid, I collected, every time they put out a new one, I'd go get it, and I'd put it in my collection, and one of my drawers had a stack of them rubber banded together. I wouldn't share them with people, y'all, I just read them, <laughs> it's funny, okay. And in that track, 
here's what happened. The way that they depicted God was this giant white figure sitting on a throne that he was always angry. And as a kid, I picked up on that, is that God is angry with me. And whenever I mess up, he's waiting to rain judgment down on me. Now, let me say this to you, that those tracks, I, I haven't read one in 30, 35 years. I'm sure that that's not the way that they were designed. But as a kid, that's what I picked up on. And so I had the mindset of faceless, angry God. He's always just waiting to rain vengeance down on my life. And guess what? That is the wrong depiction of God. The reason why is because what God wants for us and what he desires for us is deep relationship, walking with us as the father that we need and the friend that we have who will go with us all throughout life. And I can show you this in Scripture because Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there, Genesis 17. If you don't, no worries. The Scriptures will be on the screen. But I encourage you, bring your Bibles to church. The reason why everybody needs a good Bible, you need to be able to underline things, take notes, write stuff down in that Bible so you can go back later and look at it. This message is actually designed just to appetize you so that later you can go back and study and read and, and even delve in more and get even more food out of this. And so we look at Genesis chapter 17, and this is what it tells us, the covenant between God and Abram. Now, we know him as Abraham, but you're going to see here in just a minute that his name actually changed as a result of the covenant with God. So Genesis 17, verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, now I'm going to tell you what, that's pretty old, okay? And even at 99 years of age, God is setting this covenant in place. It says, The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. And Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now what we see here is God's promises being put in place. The relationship that you see with he, between he and Abraham is a wonderful relationship. You go into the New Testament. If you have your Bible, go to the book of James uh, chapter 2, verse 23, and I love what it says here because we think of God as a heavenly father, but look what it shows us in Scripture. It says, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the what? Friend of God. Now imagine that, friend of God. Well, well yeah, Pastor David, that, that's, that's Abraham. I mean, he's the one that, that he set up covenant with. Surely, God would not think of embracing me as friend. Remember, God's not a respecter of persons. In other words, if he wanted a relationship with Abraham as his father and friend, he wants a relationship with all of us as father and friend, okay? And you need, to, you need to bank on this, that he loves you enough to send his son, Jesus, to come to this earth and pay the price for your sins, my sins, the sins of the world. He wants that relationship with us as father and as friend. Now get this, in that verse we just looked at, when we looked at that word friend, the Greek translation of that word, or friend of God, is this, is philos. Okay, and here's what it means. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, I always do. But it means associate, companion, friend, 
and this is a literal definition of that word, a bridegroom friend who asks for the bride's hand in marriage. You might say, what? Here's the type of relationship that that verse, that word actually speaks of, the relationship. Imagine if you were close enough to somebody that you had a girl that you loved. And the custom dictated that you don't go get on a knee and ask for her hand in marriage, but you ask for your friend to go on your behalf and put things in place, put things in order. In other words, ask for your girl's hand in marriage for you. You'd have to trust that person pretty, pretty intently, would you not? I mean, you're sending this friend to go ask for your, this gal's hand in marriage that you love with all of your heart. You're not just going to go find somebody on the street, hey, uh, you got a sign here that says, we'll work for food. Man, I got a project for you, okay? That, that, that's not what you're going to do. You're going to be in close, intimate, deep relationship with somebody in order to trust them with something of that nature. That is the same definition for the, the word friend that we just looked at here on the screen. In other words, the relationship that God wants with us is not just an associate and companion. He wants to be in deep, close, intimate relationship with us where there is a trust between both of us. Father and friend. Everybody say friend. That's the kind of walk that he wants with us. Now, here's the thing. You need to get in your mind and understand that 2020, we talk about being the best year of your life. Everybody wants, oh, it's a new year. It's going to be great. In reality, if you're going to live your best life, you're going to live the life that God has for you. And it means that you're going to embrace him not only as your heavenly father, but also as the friend who walks with you throughout life, the presence of the Holy Spirit at work inside of you, changing you, uh, shaping you, growing you, guiding you, convicting you, empowering you as you go all throughout life. And uh, I think that it's time for all of us. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord, whether it's 29 years or 29 minutes, maybe it's time for all of us to begin to ask God, if there's ways that I have approached you that have been improper, God, change those things inside of me, okay? Because here's the thing. I think about my relationship with God. Pretty much everybody in here has heard my story about how I got saved whenever I was 18. But the way that I approached God, I was raised in, in, a, in a household. We loved the Lord. We were in church three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. And uh, I collected my, my, my little packet of chick tracks. And I was in Sunday school. Probably got my name on the board in there a few times as well. But the way that I approached God was I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to break the rules and make him mad. So I approached him as a rules type of God. It's a legalistic mindset. And as a result, that type of walk with God got wearisome. It, it, it actually got to where it was, it was a burden. And so whenever I was in my teenage years, I said, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing and ran away from the Lord as far as I could get. And whenever I was 18... I had an encounter and experience with the Lord that, that changed me. And here's what happened. In that moment, I came to the realization that, that God is not a God up in heaven with, with a little clipboard in his, in his piece of chalk writing off the different rules that I had broken. But he is my heavenly father who offers truth and grace and life and forgiveness and mercy to my life. And he wants to fill me with the Holy Spirit so that he can walk through life with me as the closest friend that I've ever had. And I'm going to tell you what, that revolutionized, it changed everything 
Because suddenly I realize that my relationship with the Lord is not something to be endured as a chore. It's something to embrace, not only as a lifestyle, but something that, that brings me through every day with the greatest joy within my heart and within my life. And it's whenever I made the decision to embrace him, not only as my father, but, but as my friend as well. Now, here's the thing. That is something for your life that if you have not encountered that, you need to experience that yourself. Because I can tell you that all day long. I can stand up here on this platform and tell you all day long the things that the Lord has done in my life and how he has changed me. But you need to experience it for yourself. It's kind of like, have you ever had somebody tell you, man, I got the funniest story to tell you. And they're telling you this story and you're like, ha ha. Hey, that's that, whoo, my ass funny. And you're trying to get into the spirit of it, but it's really not funny. And then they say this, well, I guess you had to be there. Okay, you had to experience it for yourself. Well, here's the deal. You need to experience this for yourself if you haven't yet already. And 2020 can be the greatest year of your life. It can be the, the year that you live your best life if you will embrace God and approach him as your father and as your friend. Now, I get it. A lot of times people say, well, why do we need to do this? Why do we need to approach God as this way? Why, why would we approach him as our father and as our friend? Well, let me walk you through this, uh, and then we're going to take a moment. At the end of this service, we're going to take a moment to, to have a little bit of worship and reflect just for a few, few minutes and ask the Lord to begin to change our heart to where we approach him as father and friend. And here's why that is so important. We approach him as our father and friend because we need his power in our lives, Okay. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how great you are, how, how much you have your act together. There will be things in your life that overwhelm you, okay? There will be things that happen in this world that are overwhelming within your life. We all face tragedy. We all face bad times. We all face things that come along within our, our life. And what happens is eventually, it, you might think you can handle a whole lot, but eventually you're going to come to the end of your power, Okay? And as a believer who has approached and embraced God as father and friend, that's whenever his power begins to work within our life. In fact, Ephesians 6.10, very short verse says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his. Everybody say his. Not yours, his mighty power. In other words, to allow it to work within your life. And it is a fact. There's going to be things that are going to come along that will test us, things that will bring us to the end of our capacities, things that will overwhelm us. And in those moments, when we face those difficulties, God's power wants to be so real and prevalent within all of our lives as the body of Christ, even in spite of the weaknesses that we have. Here's the next thing. We approach him as our father and friend because we need his power. But I love this one. Because we need his presence. Okay? In this world, man, I'm going to tell you, we live in a world where, man, you turn on the news and, and you begin to watch it. You're like, it's so easy to get discouraged. You don't watch it, you get depressed. And here's the thing, I tell you, turn that off and turn some worship music on and just start honoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because his presence within our lives is what we need above everything. And I'm going to tell you something. If your approach to God is informational, if your approach to God is the mindset of just being uh, you know, just informationally minded, then your approach to him is always going to be mechanical. Here, here's another thought. Do your prayers, uh, whenever you get that time, whenever you pray, does it feel kind of dry? Does it feel kind of like those prayers are maybe uh, regimented, maybe a little routine? Well, here's the thing. 
you need to embrace him as father and friend so you can genuinely begin to experience his presence. Listen to what Psalms 91 says. David writes this and he says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That entire verse is talking about exactly what we've been talking about all morning long. God wants us to be able to trust him so that we can come to him as father and friend and we can abide or rest in his presence. You might say, well, what is the presence of God like, Pastor Jay? Well, in those moments where you don't know what to say when all of a sudden you have the right words to say, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God at work within your life. Those moments when you're in your car and you turn on some worship music and all of a sudden you begin to feel a little emotional and you say, man, there's something in this car. That's the presence of God. Sunday mornings, whenever we gather here and we corporately lift up the name of the Lord, we begin to worship and you're like, man, that, that is amazing. Well, that amazingness that you're experiencing is the, the presence of God. It's those times whenever you're walking through life and you're in a troublesome moment and all of a sudden you feel peace rise up within your spirit. That's the presence of God. It's in those moments whenever you are kind of at the, the end of your rope and you're beginning to feel all overwhelmed and all of a sudden you just feel something rise up inside of you. That's the presence of the Lord, okay? So we need his presence and in this world that we live in more now than ever before. And, and you say, well, how do I come into the presence of God? Well, the greatest way that I can describe this to y'all is, y'all know I'm a new grandpa, right? Have, have I mentioned that before? I, I couldn't remember. Okay. Uh, yeah, I became a grandpa about a year ago. And uh, I got to be honest with you, the, the first six months were, were awesome, but they were kind of uneventful. I mean, Libby just kind of laid there and looked at you and like, that's pretty much it. But now she's walking, now she's into everything, and now she's, she's running around. And yesterday, had had to watch her for a little while. And the greatest joy is whenever she sees you. Like I walked in the office a few minutes ago, and she was in there, and she saw me, and her face lit up. Oh, my God, it's awesome. And you know what she did? She comes toddling across, running just like this with her arms up. And I, I know that's how I felt, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's the greatest thing in the world. When they walked in the house some weeks back, and it's the first time that this had ever happened, they walk in, she saw me, and she immediately reaches, so she calls me Papa, by the way. We went through a lot of different variations, but it looks like it's going to be Papa. She reaches out, and she said, Papa. And man, I got to tell you what, my heart melted, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing in the world. And she's reaching for me. In fact, one of my, my favorite times of hers when I watch her, like yesterday we were watching her, and she literally fell asleep on me, just completely zonked out. We got a picture of that, Brennan? Well, this actually is not yesterday. This is a couple months back. But this is her in my office, just zonked out. And Y'all know I had to show a picture, right? Yeah. You say, well, what is all this? Are you just taking a few moments to brag on your grandchild? Well, kind of. <laughs> I'm taking a moment to show you how we need to approach God. To experience his presence. To experience him in a way to where, as our father and friend, we just come to him with, with, with arms wide open, completely surrender to him, trusting him. You know why Livy toddles to me with her arms raised up, smile on her face? Because she loves me and she trusts me. And we need to go to God, arms wide out. God, I'm fully surrendered. God, I love you. And God, I trust you as my father and as my friend, we need 
his presence within our lives. And that's the way that we approach him uh, day after day, all throughout our life. We need his power. We need his presence. Here we go. We need his purpose for our lives as well. Now, here's another thought. When you open the Bible and begin to study it, is it dry? Are you just doing a, a power reading session where I'm, I'm going to read as many chapters as I can? I got to get through this. When you pray, is it just mechanical where there's just kind of these words that, you know, it just seems kind of dry? Well, when we study God's Word, when we spend time conversing with Him, we need to understand that what God wants is He wants to speak to us through His Word. He wants to speak to us in that prayer time because He wants to inspire His purpose in our lives. And, and in that purpose, what He's trying to do is He's trying to spur along that relationship with Him to the place of continued growth. Not where we grow and stop and grow and stop, but a continued day-by-day walk where we are growing and he's changing us and he's shaping us more and more as he pours his purpose into our life. You say, well, what does that purpose do? That purpose from God, it causes, it creates a spiritual hunger inside of us. Have you ever been hungry before? Some of y'all are like, I'm hungry right now, okay? Wrap this up. <laughs> we get hungry... And man, our stomach starts talking to us. That's all we can think about. But listen to this, Matthew 5, 6. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the ways of the Lord, for they will be filled. We need his power. We need his presence. We need his purpose within our lives. And that hunger that is generated inside of us spiritually will be filled with the things of God, with the presence of God. And so here's how we come before him today. God, change me, shape me. My approach to you has been somewhat wrong, or maybe it hasn't been wrong. Maybe you have approached him as father and friend, but if you've approached him out of obligation or legalism or, or any other way, God, change me. I want to approach you as my father and as my friend. And so here's what I'm going to invite you to do today. Every eye closed in this room. Just close your eyes. Don't look around. Don't look at the person around you and say, what are they going to do? Don't worry about them. You and God right now. In a room full of hundreds of people, you can be alone in his presence right now. And maybe for you, you would say, well, Pastor, I've never approached him as father and friend. In fact, I've never even surrendered my life to him. And my friend, I'm going to tell you something. That's the first step for you. Because Jesus said it clearly, no man comes to the father except through me. The only way to heaven is receiving what Jesus did for you at the cross. You're a sinner. Well, that's not very nice. I'm a sinner. We're all born as sinners. Jesus came to this earth to go to the cross to deal with the sin in our life so that that sin and sin nature could be dealt with and we could be made brand new as sons and daughters of God. So today the question is this, are you ready to step into the family of God? Are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus? Maybe for the first time. And if you say yes to that, I, I want to pray with you. I'm going to help you take this step. There might be others of you in this room who would say, well, Pastor Jay, I feel the need to, to recommit my heart to Christ. As we roll into 2020, we're talking about living our best life. I see the need to, to get my heart right with God all over again. The commitment in my life to God needs to be made once again. Well, if you say yes to that, I, I want to pray with you. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you are, but I do like to know who I'm praying with. 
And so today, if you say, yes, that's me, raise your hand right now, let me see it. Is there anybody in this room who would say, yes, Essie, here, 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 right over here, back over here? I love it. Now I'm going to ask you to take another step. Because I'm going to pray with you. You can raise your hand and pray a prayer. Walk out of here the same exact way. Change has to take place. God, change me from the inside out. And so right where you are, I want you to talk to the Lord. And here's what that conversation looks like. This is your prayer. Right where you are, you just cry to God. And here's what the prayer is. And say this, Father, I love you and thank you that Jesus you would choose to go to the cross for me in my place. That's a picture of love. Jesus, you paid the price for my sin, my shame, my guilt, and by faith today, I receive what you did. And I admit to you, I'm a sinner. And today I repent for the sins in my life. Jesus, today change me. Make me brand new. I surrender everything that I am to you. And Jesus, I ask you to come live in my heart. Today, I embrace you as my Lord, my Master, my Savior, my Father, and my friend. And today, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your purpose. Today, I choose to step into your family and walk with you in relationship. In Jesus' name. Now, every eye in this room is still closed. Who in this room would be honest enough to say, Pastor, I've been walking with the Lord maybe a, a day or 20 years or 50 years or whatever, but there's still some things that the Lord needs to work on within my life. If that's you, raise your hand way up high. I love it. It's being pliable and shapeable. I'm going to ask all of you to take a step as well. I've invited the worship team to join me on the platform so that we can take a moment of worship. And in this moment of worship, we can ask God to change us. God, change me. If there's sin, repent. Get it out of your life. If there's things within your marriage that need to be dealt with, today ask God to help you deal with it. If there's rejection and hurt that needs to be handled within your life, today in this worship time, allow God to bring healing to your life. God, change me so that I can approach you, here it is, as my father and as my what? Friend. Let's stand to our feet. And for those of you who raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to take another step here in a few moments. Our prayer team at the conclusion of the service is going to be here at the front. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith, fill out a connect card and bring it up to one of them. They're going to pray with you give you some words of encouragement, and talk to you about your next steps in your walk with Christ. But today as we worship the Lord, let's just open up our heart and approach Him as Father and friend. Amen? Let's worship.